Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and today we are doing Request Part 32, and we are going to be actually anywhere but Colorado as we try and close our, our class of 2021 seniors on our request episodes. So we are actually going back to Escambia High School Academy, the same high school that Troy Fountain went to, as recommended by Troy, to check out Daughtry McGee, the 5'10", 180-pound defensive back, who, you know, and I'm just going to jump right into it, is an interception machine. You know, Daughtry here, whether playing the safety or slot corner position, reads the quarterback's eyes very well to garner a lot of interceptions, you know. The quarterback will even look the opposite direction sometimes and then flip back over, and Daughtry is just... You know, he's ready for that. I can tell that Daughtry watches his film. He doesn't get lost in mesh routes, especially wheel-in combinations or wheel-slant combinations. He is able to basically tell when those plays are coming before they even happen and, you know, put a stop to them before they happen. You know, he doesn't get caught up in those mesh concepts or those crossing concepts. He's able to go over the top of the outside receiver and, you know, meet back up with his receiver that he's covering on play. A wheel route can be especially hard to defend, but Daughtry, I never saw him fail, much less even, you know, give chances to wheel routes, you know, in in his film. And that stood out to me. That was super impressive as a slot cornerback. I really like that for him. And, you know, I really like that you're able to roll him down from the safety position into that slot cornerback position and just allow him to just straight play man up. Because, you know, it's obvious that he can play zone whenever he's at the safety position. He usually plays like a cover two or maybe a cover one robber, and he's able to make plays and get interceptions there. And so to have that versatility to be able to just roll him down when there's, you know, slot receivers is huge. It's huge. And I think that the fact that he played slot receiver on the offensive side of the ball is a huge contributor to that as to how he can play man so well against them and you know just knowing you know what the ins and outs of the position are and applying it to playing man on the defensive side. I also want to mention that you know he's good he's good at getting his hand on the ball and pass covered because not every time does he get interceptions, you know, he does get interceptions that are, you know, that, that should be interceptions is what I say. He doesn't let plays go, I would say. And, you know, if he's not in a spot to make an interception, he's very aware of that. And he does whatever he needs to do to break up the pass play. Especially, you know, I think of his hitch routes pretty commonly. I think of that, that he defends. I think of out routes. And I think of those wheel routes where, you know, they probably have the inside leverage on him. But... He comes from behind and he punches the ball out or, you know, he comes from over the top and punches the ball out or, you know, just hits him hard enough to where that they don't want to catch the ball. So, you know, Daughtry McGee is a very well-rounded, versatile defender in the secondary from the slot corner position, especially. I don't doubt his ability to also play outside cornerback. I think that if you cover slot routes, that you should definitely be able to cover those outside routes. And, you know, like I said, also very solid in zone at the safety position. And, you know, 
he's also a pretty solid hitter. You know, he's very good at lowering that shoulder and using that acceleration or that burst to really kind of close in fast and, you know, knock someone on their bum. Um, and just in general, his top speed is pretty solid, I'd say, as well as just his burst and acceleration. I could more so deduce this from his running back or offensive film where he could really stick his foot in the ground and get up field. Um, I do also think that that you could see it on the defensive film, though, as well. You know, he has excellent closing speed whenever somebody does catch a ball, mainly from his safety position, and he's able to close that gap. And I also noticed that, you know, he rolls into the box sometimes at that safety and plays that linebacker safety hybrid position, which is kind of insane considering, you know, Daughtry is not the biggest. And by the way, um, McGee, if I'm saying your name wrong, just let me know. But I've been rolling with this the whole time. But McGee here, you know, excellent at, you know, diagnosing plays a little bit and, you know, willing to do whatever is asked of him. And, you know, he's only 180 pounds, but, you know, whenever he's rolled into the box, he's not a non-factor in plays. You know, he still makes tackles. He still plays sideline to sideline. He still plays in pass coverage. So, you know, he's a guy that you can line up all over the field on defense and also on special teams. You know, he can return kicks. I definitely think that he's physical enough to also be a blocker on any form of punt, punt return. I don't doubt that he would go all out to block kicks either. So that's what I could see from McGee that I did like. And then, you know, I was a little confused on why he doesn't have any offers, but I'll talk about that after talking about some areas of improvement. So, you know, McGee for as smart of a football player he is with as high of an IQ and as good as he is at man to man coverage, his lateral movement and change of direction could use a lot of work. You could see this prominently when he was inside the box, but also when he was at the safety position playing the run game, he just did not shuffle across the field super well or move horizontally very fluid. It was kind of broken down into robotic steps whenever watching it, and that was a bit hard to watch, so... I'd say just working more footwork drills on the offensive or on the defensive side of the ball will be beneficial for him and to figure out how to translate, you know, his offensive footwork to his defensive game because on offense, you know, he did show flashes of having really good footwork. And so I think that he just needs to either make an analogy on how he can translate that to the defensive side of the ball or realize that, you know, the skill itself is transferable. I also think that for... Being a cornerback, his hip fluidity is not A1, which, you know, once again, he's a great man coverage corner despite this. However, you know, it it could end up coming back to bite you on that next level. And so I think that, you know, he should definitely do a lot of those opening that hips and doing doing those exercises to, you know, make the make the hips more flexible in the first place. And the fluidity will come with it. And just working on those man coverage drills like religiously to, you know, increase that hip fluidity. I also think that, you know, in the run game, he's not as 
aggressive. And I think that comes from not having as good of instincts in the run game as the pass game, which is a little unfair because his instincts in the pass game are pretty elite. But in the run game, he's almost a liability. He waits a lot of the time or he's pretty slow to notice slash take action on how or on what run play is happening. So definitely developing instincts. I think that that might just come with watching more film. And then additionally, something that concerns me in the run game is that I didn't really see him block shed. And so, you know, if a lineman gets their hands on this 5'10", 180-pound defensive back, is McGee going to be a complete non-factor in the play? It's definitely a concern I have watching his film. And, you know, I think that just working on strength and top-end speed is never a bad thing for any player, but especially McGee, who, you know, doesn't have the best football frame for a safety uh, you know, he definitely wants to put on weight, I'd say, unless he's going to stay at that cornerback position. And then, you know, even then, you still want your top end speed to, you know, stay hand in hand with that lateral movement and that hip fluidity. So while you're working on those, you need to work on the top end speed as well. And also, while I said that McGee's a good hitter, he's not a good tackler. When McGee goes to tackle, he tackles super high. And he almost never wraps up. If he does wrap up, he tackles high. And if he doesn't wrap up, then, you know, he's just throwing a shoulder and hoping for the best. That's, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. And you can definitely get some good hits. But I want a sure, I want a sure tackle out in the open field. And I don't want, you know, somebody to run through an arm tackle or bounce off of a shoulder tackle and take it to the house. That's worst case scenario. And... A big no-no. So, McGee here, I should mention some things. Is a good athlete, even great athlete, good football player, and an even better student, you know. He has somewhere near, if not a 4.0 GPA. He has been crowned the Scholar Athlete of the Week in his community. And, you know, he, he likes to lead by example in the classroom more so than the football field. So, obviously, you'd like to have a guy like that on your football team who's going to help bring up your GPA for the whole team and who's going to ask, you know, nothing more of others in the classroom than he's going to ask of himself and he's going to ask the most of himself. So obviously, you know, like I said, I couldn't find anything on his recruiting as far as, you know, who's offered him and stuff. But I do think that at the bare minimum, McGee here is a D2 player. I think that He's a full ride kind of guy, especially if you're looking in, in this day and age of football, slot corners are more important than they ever have been in the history of the game. And I think that McGee offers you, you know, a peace of mind in the slot corner aspect as far as coverage. You know, you're not going to have that other teams, you know, five foot 11, six foot flat, 175 pound wide receiver running go routes and torching you all game with seam routes in your cover three or because McGee is going to be able to to turn it up and he's going to be able to lock down whoever you ask him to in the slot especially and then you're going to be able to use him kind of like a chess piece and a lot of different positions you know he has a high versatility which we always recommend here at playmakers corner especially on the defensive side of the ball. I really like the idea of recruiting him for special teams 
And I think that, you know, he's a guy who, at the D2 level, you can get into the game sooner than later. I also want to say that, you know, if he does want to go to a higher level, I wouldn't be opposed to recommending Juco and see if, you know, maybe another year or two of film could help him out and help get him to that Division One level. I'm not making any promises, but, you know, I'd say just, just look at your offers and look what you have and realize that, you know, you're you're going to want to go through academia and, you know, get as much covered as you can. But also, if you have a chance or an opportunity to play football, I don't doubt that you definitely can at the next level. And um, McGee, if you want to come onto the show, this is a formal invite, as is with the rest of the players on this episode, which, you know, it's about that time where I start transitioning off of McGee, the 180-pound defensive back out of Escambia Academy, and get ready to go somewhere else in Alabama. Coming up. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and this time we travel to Beauregard High School in Alabama to talk about the 6'3", 200-pound outside linebacker Trent Jones. So, Trent Jones, I'm going to start with areas of improvement first because I do think that he's a very raw player who has a lot of upside, but, you know, He's committed currently to Ellsworth Community College, which is a JUCO program, and I think that that's an excellent fit for him. I think that JUCO is the route, and here's some reasons why. Because, you know, his stance is... he He's able to accomplish a lot despite his outside linebacker stance providing a false step literally every single time the ball is snapped. So, it may not sound like a big deal, but that, you know... That little false step, that little rock back, that's a, a quarter of a second probably that that happens in and that you lose it to. And sometimes that's all that the running back needs for daylight. Or sometimes that quarter second is the difference between a quarterback getting sacked and delivering a deep bomb down the right sideline, right? So I want Trent Jones specifically to work on that stance and work on you know those get-offs from that stance and eliminating that false step and Racking up more sacks, honestly. Also, why him to get stronger to throw off blockers more? Because sometimes when the blockers, like the tackles, get their hands on him, they drive him way more than they should be driving him. Especially because, I mean, he has a football frame at 6'3", 200 pounds. I know that obviously this li these linemen can be a lot bigger, especially down there in Bama. But, you know, if you're not able to shuck those guys then I don't like the odds of you being able to use your arms very well at the next level consistently. And so I'd say just get a lot stronger, especially in those tries more than anything, so that you have that control with your arms at the at the point of attack, at the line of scrimmage. I also want, once again, I'm going to be talking about tackling and getting it lower. Trent Jones wraps up at the shoulder pad level constantly and it was driving me nuts because it's like man if this dude just like lowered his hips and put his helmet right in another dude's stomach or right on the ball he would a have a lot more tackles a lot more forced fumbles especially a lot more forced fumbles and you know a lot more people not wanting any piece of trench owns so 
because I, I definitely just work on that technique. You'll be able to drive players backwards better too, instead of like doing like a spin around dance gator roll of some kind that happens from time to time when you're tackling too high. And yeah, just preventing more yards from being from being gained. I also think that oh, at, at, from the outside linebacker position, you know, with that pass coverage in mind, Trent Jones has a little bit of developing to do in the passing game because he will get caught kind of cheating in or I'd say like drifting away from his assignment on on the pass plays that he does face off against, especially where he has a zone. Fortunately for him, he has great closing speed, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But, you know, I'd rather the pass play not happen and be broken up because you're playing your zone than for you to make a tackle you know, after they've already gained like six yards or whatever. So definitely needs to work on staying home, staying pat, and understanding why he needs to do that in the passing game from the very limited passing film that I've saw, that I've seen, because, you know, they definitely send him blitzing more than they than they ask him to play in the pass game. But versatility never, never hurt anybody. And I think that, you know, that's something that is pretty easy to work on. And I think that he has the instincts to hammer that home. And last but not least, I did mention that, you know, he is brought on the blitz often. And I think that he needs to get stronger with his arm usage. But I just want to see more pass rush moves in general. You know, I think that he could definitely etch his footwork into, you know, his pass rushing repertoire and be able to do those those cuts and those fake dips. But also working on dip and rips or just straight up rips or swim moves past the line of scrimmage or you know, getting strong enough to have a bull rush. I just don't think that his pass rushing, you know, utility bill of moves is not great enough, especially talking about that next level where variety is the spice of life and the key to success. As far as things that Trent Jones does do really, really well, Trent Jones has great speed. Some of the best speed I've seen for a linebacker while watching film for this show I think that it's up there with, you know, that Parsec kid that we talked about in our top five linebackers episode, which if you haven't watched or listened to it, I should say, go ahead and give that a listen. But anyways, Jones has great speed and excellent closing speed. You can kind of see this, especially translated from the offensive side of the ball where he was a premier running back, even though I'm going to be talking about, you know, linebacker is what I want to recruit him as, which is why I'm talking about it. So I think that, you know, with that great speed and, you know, despite his false step, he still comes off the line like a bat out of hell, honestly. And, you know, with the sometimes the tackles, especially the less refined ones, are just not prepared for Trent Jones to be coming into the backfield as fast as he is. And I think that, you know, something that he does do really well that opens up a lot of opportunities for him and lead to stats like 97 tackles his senior year, 114 tackles, including nine for loss his junior year, and six sacks is his angles and his acceleration, you know, because he really can kind of dive outside and then dive back inside at a very sharp, almost like 30-degree angle to get a sack on a quarterback. Or, you know, he's very good at diving in, then diving back out. Like, you can almost draw any straight-line pattern that's a zigzag for Trent Jones and he's going to be able to do it because you know he just has a good sense of balance I'd say and 
in addition to his angles making him a great you know edge player he can make plays all over the field with the angles that he takes there's plays where he runs all the way across the field and makes tackles because he just understands angles so well on the football field and you know he could also he's very effective whenever running backs try and run to his side and bounce it outside they are almost never successful in getting outside of him because he just times it so well and he knows exactly where he needs to be to make a play so a little bit of geometry on the defensive side of the ball that makes trent jones really special but man does it make him really special and does it lead to obvious production you know with hundreds of tackles to his name and on his resume over you know his few years at beauregard i also want to say that he does like contact and he does like taking people out of plays. There's a lot of plays where a lead blocker from the backfield, like a fullback, is coming at him. And he just knocks them over. And then he continues to play the ball and try and make a play there. So he doesn't get caught up in, you know, knocking somebody down once. Because he understands that the play goes until the whistle is blown. And that's something that a lot of football players surprisingly don't get. But it's nice to see that my linebacker, my edge player... Trent Jones would know that because he's the guy who I'm asking to bring the pain on every play. And, you know, as long as the referees don't stop him with that whistle, he is going to bring the pain every play. He relishes in contact. I can tell just from his body language that, you know, he loves to absolutely obliterate other players. And so that's something that I want in my program. I want somebody who enjoys the violence and, you know, is going to make other players think twice about running his direction. I also think that, you know, he he kind of uses running back moves, if that makes sense, at the linebacker position whenever he does get past linemen in the runner pass game. Because so he if he beats them off the line, and then after that he basically just twists them up like a pretzel. Because, you know, he like I said, it's very hard to explain, but he does cut in and out really well at the running back position. And then he does exactly that at the linebacker position against linemen and, you know, just shows that great athleticism and that great speed to to beat these offensive linemen who are just hilariously outmatched on Trent Jones film. So with all this being said, he is a very, like I said, very raw with a lot of technique refining to do. I'm not sure how many years he was a starter. It was a few years. So you know, it's not like he's a one-year pro or one-year starter or anything like that. So I'm very excited to see where he can go. Ellsworth Community College, I think that's in Iowa from what I could tell. And I think that Juco is a great route for him so that, you know, he can get used to that college life. I think that Trent Jones is kind of a sleeper diamond in the rough FCS Division One player. You know, obviously at the bare minimum, he's a full ride guy at the Division II level with the amount of tackles and the amount of sacks that you're going to get. The production alone makes him a full ride guy at that Division II level. But I think that, you know, with this work in JUCO, he could work towards getting either that full, but definitely that partial scholarship on that FCS level, maybe even certain programs on that FBS level. So I think that Trent Jones, you know, I didn't see him get a lot of D1 offers, and I definitely think that he deserves them. But it is worth mentioning that he is a project player, and I think that going to a JUCO first is the absolute best route for him to maximize his potential and 
you know, to succeed to the highest degree that I know that he can. But that's all that I have for Trent Jones, the linebacker out of Beauregard High School, once again in Alabama. This time we will be jumping to Michigan to talk about Dorian Riley. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we are talking about the Ferris State University commit out of Jackson High School in Michigan, Dorian Riley, 5'7", 190 pound running back. So we'll jump right into strengths here with Riley. He shows great lower body strength, as well as just general excellent body control from his very quick cuts to his big jump cuts and jukes or moves. He's he's also stayed on his feet through insane contact. I mean, there's multiple defenders that are on him, and he just keeps those legs chugging, and he spins around and pops out the other side of the tunnel and you know goes on to score a touchdown. He was a dynamic running back. If you look him up, he has this one game where he actually ran for six touchdowns and I believe either set or tied a school record. So, you know, very dominant at his position at his high school and in his conference of of all things. So, you know, dominance at any level obviously warrants the eye. And, you know, it comes from just, I think his body control is easily his strongest asset. And it's not even at its maximum potential yet. Because, well, I'll talk about why in a bit. But, you know, he has great vision and discipline to wait to the last second to cut for a hole. And what I mean by that is, you know, he'll have basically a tag. So a tackle and guard counter pull right or left. And, you know, he makes sure to beeline pretty hard for the sideline and then cut inside that guard that's kicking out that defensive end or that linebacker. And then following that tackle to the second level. And as soon as that tackle turns their hips, He bounces outside of them. He waits just the right amount of time to get the maximum amount of yards. And there he goes up the right sideline and into the end zone. So great patience, great vision, and, you know, the athleticism and burst to pull it off. That's another thing that I'll talk about is, you know, his burst, his acceleration puts him in another conversation, I'd say, because he consistently gets around the defense, and once that burst hits, once he kicks into that next gear, there's almost no catching him. And if you do, then you're probably not going to bring him down by yourself. He is a multiple player to bring down kind of running back, which obviously you guys know how I feel about that, and I get very excited about that. But he also has the athleticism and the speed and the balance to keep up with all those things. I wouldn't necessarily call him a power back, but he has powered through defenders before, and I think that he definitely will do it again. He's met defenders at the goal line, and they knew that they lost because of just the velocity that Riley garnered heading into that play. I also think that you know his stiff arm is super strong. If you um go to his Instagram, he actually has one of his best stiff arms, I think, on there, where he just pushes the defender's face straight into the ground. He has great strength, especially in that left arm of his. And, you know, even his right arm as well. So he's almost looks ambidextrous in strength, which is pretty amazing, honestly. Especially because, you know, I know a lot of guys who 
they they were able to stiff arm with their right all day, but they would never stick out their left arm. So Dorian, and by the way, if I'm saying this wrong, just let me know. But Dorian here is excellent at, you know, both sides and just one hell of a running back, honestly, and somebody that's going to make Ferris State significantly better. And, you know, but the biggest question mark that I have for Riley here, is he a three down running back? There is almost no pass catching film. I think there is one or two plays where he catches the ball on his entire film between his junior and senior year. So that's a bit of a red flag to me because it's like, okay, obviously it could be the scheme, right? And, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. If the run, running game is working, which with Riley it consistently was, if the running game's working, then don't pass it. However, it's still, you know, I still want to see him have hands. I still want to see him develop some kind of route running and see what his footwork looks like there for sure because between not knowing what his passing skills look like as a scout and also only seeing one block that was a run block specifically on his entire film and no pass blocking, it's kind of a big red flag to me that maybe Riley here is not a three down kind of guy. And I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm just saying that I didn't see the film for it. So, you know, that's a little bit concerning to me. Anytime you have chances to put in like all aspects of your game, I definitely would recommend it. And that's a recommendation for younger athletes too, coming up in the recruiting process at the running back position. Show that you can do it all too, or show as much as you can do of everything that is asked of a running back on the next level. You want to be a three down guy. There's just a decreasing demand to have multiple running backs, I'd say for at least college programs that all do different things, you need to make your mark and you need to be able to be like, well, if you take me off the field, then you're missing out on a dynamic playmaker, basically. So just refine all aspects of the game. And that's what I'd say for Dorian here. I also don't know, you know, how his footwork translates to route running or anything like that. So just answering the question of third down, you know, is is Riley ready for that? Is he ready to step up to that challenge and run run or pass catch for three consecutive downs in a row? I also think that he runs. Okay, he's five foot seven, so he ends up winning leverage a lot of the time because he's just already lower than the defender. But he still runs pretty straight up and down, and I want to see him, especially whenever he's preparing for contact, to lower you know another like four inches and just. Low man wins. I've said it once. I've said it twice. I've said it a thousand times. Low man wins. And, you know, even though you're already low, get lower. You know, all of your strength is going to come from your legs. And I'm pretty sure that you have pretty strong legs. So go ahead and get low like you're coming to a squat or like a power clean and explode with that next step and just crack that dude's jaw who's in front of you trying to slow you down. Um, well, don't literally crack his jaw. And I don't want to be responsible for liability because I know Riley's strong enough to really do something like that. But you know what I mean as, as far as, you know, just getting underneath that those shoulder pads of the opposing player and really bringing the hurt to them. I also think that I really... Okay, so obviously Riley bounces outside constantly 
And I just want to make sure that it's not a habit to, when in doubt, bounce, bounce outside. Luckily, you know, over there at Jackson High School, they had an excellent blocking scheme. And Riley know, knew how to utilize that. I just wonder what it will look like when the plays break down a little bit more in the backfield. There were only a handful of samples there. And so that's something that will be something that he'll, he might need to adjust or just be ready for on that next level over that Ferris State University, which I mentioned is a D2. I do think that Riley has the capabilities to come in and be an immediate impact kind of player. However, ain't nothing wrong with a redshirt year where you're working on your pass catching, you're watching film, you're working on your pass blocking as well. So that way, when you do get on the field, you are the three down back, you are the workhorse, and you don't, you know, you have an iron grip on that job, right? So I think that he could be a couple year starter for sure at the D2 level. And, you know, who's to say that he couldn't have been a rotational guy on that D1 level, you know, the FCS level. But that's kind of what I have for Dorian Riley. Also, work on stamina. Sometimes I can tell that you get pretty burnt out at the end of runs and you just got to finish it, especially that last 10 yards. I think it's just a mentality thing. But, you know, go ahead and run those 60-yard sprints is what I would say and uh, time yourself and make sure that those last 10 yards are your strongest. But that's all I have for Dryan Riley out of Jackson High School. Once again, Dryan, congratulations on your commitment to Ferris State University. And Riley, if you ever want to come on to the show as well as anybody else on this episode, just feel free to reach out to us on DMs and we'll get that set up. So last but not least, we are traveling to California to talk about a quarterback. Wrapping us up on this episode is the six foot five, two hundred pound, two star quarterback out of Chino Hills High School in California, and that is Matthew Geating, who you know has lots to like and is also a two star commit to the University of las vegas so i'm going to talk first about you know his areas of improvement and then talk about what makes him such a solid quarterback and what brought him to that level so with that being said you know Geating does throw off of his back foot a lot more than i would like i also think that you know while he does step up in the pocket super well he doesn't manipulate the pocket enough side to side or shuffling so definitely working on that footwork and that left to right kind of movement inside the pocket and manipulating it that way would go a long way i think i also think that he doesn't engage his feet and legs while throwing he definitely like the rest of his form is really fine but he just doesn't really step into passes a whole lot and so i think that he kind of is putting a self-inhibitor cap on you know his arm power for sure especially as far as distance goes i also think that his pump fake could be refined quite a bit because anytime he uses it the defense isn't falling for it um so definitely just working on making that pump fake worthy or worthwhile of even using and you know knowing how much more he needs to put into it because he doesn't put like anything in except for just twisting his shoulders and he i don't think he realizes that it's like a big time hips and legs thing and maybe that's because he doesn't really use those whenever he does throw the ball for real for real um i also am of the thought that you know 
he picks and chooses when to square up to his target and deliver a strike. Sometimes he just like throws the ball, but sometimes he will square up. So just working on making that a consistent thing and, you know, not taking any plays off as far as squaring up to a target. And something that definitely worries me heading to that next level is that Geeting over there at Chino Hills was playing in a constantly collapsed pocket. And, you know, it developed some habits like throwing off of the back foot and not moving side to side in the pocket and not engaging feet and, you know, just using his arm strength to get the ball where he needs it to go. And while that worked on the high school level, I'm afraid that some of these negative back foot habits on the next level are going to get him exposed a little bit. And so I hope that, you know, UNLV uh, out there, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, I should have mentioned earlier, you know, they get him a little bit more help on that offensive line so that he can actually, you know, step back, move left to right in the pocket and get better at all those things because he actually has time to to do such a thing and to go through progressions. You know, I think he does look through multiple routes for sure, but I don't think he was able to truly, truly give all of his progressions a real chance in, in the offense that he was in just because of the constant pressure he was under and in the pocket, so... Those are some areas of improvement for Matthew Geating. I'd love to hear what he has to say about, you know, the the kind of play that he had to go through and, you know, obviously, you know, some things that he's working on. But I will talk about things that Geating does do well. Geating has one of the most naturally effortlessly high velocity throws that I've seen in quite a minute. His velocity on his passes is actually so elite and allows him to make some very hard, hard throws. You know, those 10 yard, those 15 yard outs, those 20 yard out routes, he's able to get them there. You know, those deep comebacks back by the sideline. He just has so much velocity. He's able to make throws that a lot of QBs can't make, like over the linebackers in front of the safeties. He's especially good at those throws. And you know, I think his release as well is really good. I think that, you know, he has a very quick release, I'll say, and his follow through is of the most consistent follow throughs I've ever seen. Like almost every pass from Matthew Geating looks the exact same at the end of it. And that's what you like to see. You like to see that consistency in the technique department. And I feel like that shows that he's a very coachable player and that he's going to be able to refine the other things, the areas of improvement, if given the chance and if given the coaching and given the time, he will improve at those things is kind of what I can tell from his release and that he, you know, he's capable of being a very refined football player. I also think that he's a very smart football player. You know, he takes his check downs whenever given a chance. And, you know, whether that's his running backs or dumping it off to the flats or, you know, hitting a crossing route that's definitely like the fourth read. I like to see that. I don't like quarterbacks if they're only chasing the big play. But Matthew Geating, I think he does have a good head on his shoulders. And, you know, he's going to make UNLV a better program with, you know, his brain and with his arm as well. I also think that, you know, for a pro style quarterback, he does move pretty well left and right out of the pocket, especially on flood plays. And, you know, he also, like I said earlier, you know, he doesn't move left and right in the pocket, but he certainly steps up and he's very aware of where first down markers are and he's able to get there and slide and, you know, not take a beating either. So, and I think that, you know, like I said earlier, 
He makes some of the toughest throws on the football field, deep comebacks, deep outs, or those really tough seam routes in, in like triple coverage. So, which decision-making could use a little bit of work. I am just a little concerned about that, but he also shows the ability to make good decisions. So it's kind of at a weird crossroads. And I think that he's definitely a red shirt kind of player his first year. And I don't know if he will be ready his second year. It kind of depends on what the quarterback room looks like at UNLV and how his development goes and how much film he watches. And, you know, he could probably get a little bit bigger too and just fill out his frame. He's a little bit skinny. So I might want to see him get up to that 210, maybe even 215 pound range at six foot five, just so I know that he could take a lick and, you know, not be decommissioned for a whole game. And, um, you know, I do think that he's, at the bare minimum, a one-year starter at UNLV. I think that he gives them a chance to compete in the Mountain West Conference. And overall, you know, I do think that Matthew Geating out of Chino Hills will find a lot of success. And Matthew, you're obviously invited onto the show, as is everyone on this episode of Request Part 32. You know, this is the conclusion. I've been your host, Cody Stoffer, and make sure that you know, you share, you share us with your friends, share us with other athletes. And if you have any requests for athletes that you give us their first and last name, the high school that they attend, as well as hopefully at least, at least two minutes of good film. Um, but we really prefer at least three minutes of film. But if it's really good film for two minutes, like there's a bunch of plays in there, we can make it work as well. Um, make sure to find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Playmakers Corner or at Playmaker Corner, as well as on TikTok, where we will continue to make content. But I've been your host, Cody Stoffer, and have a good one.